Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship. And before we jump into my podcast interview with Don Johnson, there's a few things I want to share that might shed a little bit of light into the interview. First off, I find it to be a huge honor that Don spent the time to sit down and share a bit of his story with me. He even sent a really nice text message afterwards. So Don, if you're listening, thank you again so much for sitting down with me. Secondly, the interview felt a little bit like walking a tightrope. And what I mean by that is I really wanted to try to find out the full story and and honestly spent more time doing research ahead of this interview than any other interview I've done. But then we show up at this house and there's some of the most brilliant, successful APs of all time sitting around there just hanging out, and they don't seem so thrilled that I'm there. Towards the end of the interview, you can hear a doorbell ring and some people come into the house and it's more brilliant APs. And they have this look on their face like, what the hell are you even doing here? So while I'm trying to learn as much as I can about what actually happened, there's people standing around who do not want the full story divulged. Understandably so, Don was very cautious about what was and wasn't said during the interview, so don't expect to tell all here, but it's still a fascinating interview in my opinion. Another thing to be aware of, the first 15 and a half minutes is really about horse racing, handicapping, and Don trying to keep professional handicappers happy. So when Don worked for the racetracks, his job was to keep the high roller horse bettors happy, and uh, that turned into figuring out what they really needed to be successful handicappers. He mentions ragazin sheets, which are these very, very accurate horse performance ratings, You can uh, order a set of these sheets, and they were delivered at the time by FedEx, and they show every horse running that day that had raced in North America. If you're not as interested in hearing about the horse racing stuff, you can just skip 15 minutes ahead, but I think it really tells a lot of his backstory and just the right situations that led to this massive blackjack play that they pulled off. One final note, uh, what do I think caused Don Johnson's play to be so successful? Well, First off, he's a very bright guy with just the right temperament to be an effective whale. A whale is a a high roller. And he actually networked with just the right people that were smart in the ways that maybe he wasn't. He wasn't a uh, seasoned advantage player, but he's a bright guy and he networked with very other bright people. And then on top of that, the people involved in this play use a lot of things to their advantage whether it was the loss rebates, which is the main thing that most people have heard about, but they were also getting free bets of up to $50,000 just for showing up to the casino. They used dealer mispays to their advantage, and then some very advanced plays that they're not going to divulge on our podcast, but I've heard from multiple sources that it was much more complicated than just the loss rebates. I've heard rumors of what they did, but you know I'm not going to spill the beans on it. Maybe someday he'll share the full story. But for now, enjoy the interview. Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship. And I am here with Don Johnson, who I met a few years ago at the Blackjack Ball. And last year he was inducted into the Blackjack Hall of Fame. For those who don't know his story, I'm kind of surprised you don't know his story, because he's probably the most famous professional blackjack player of all time. Uh, And most famously, during a four-ish month period in 2011, he beat Atlantic City Casinos for upwards of $15 million, maybe more. He probably won't say the exact numbers, but uh, that's just part of his story. Um, and uh, Don really had quite a multifaceted approach. Uh, maybe we'll be able to get into a little bit of it, but uh, he resulted, his, his approach resulted in one of the biggest hits to a group of casinos in blackjack history. 
So Don was kind enough to sit down with me and share a little bit of his story, which I think is actually a really remarkable one. So Don, thank you for being willing to do this interview with me. Sure. No worries. Happy to be here. Thank you. Well, uh, I kind of want to start off with a little bit of your background. In my experience, advantage players are a kind of unique breed. And uh, as one of my friends says, uh, we don't find advantage play. Advantage play finds, finds us. Do you think you were always someone that was looking for an edge, even, even uh, when you were younger? No, not at all. My, my uh, career started in the horse race. Well, I was born into the horse racing industry and, uh, and stayed in it. And uh, I was on a, uh, I was a participant in horse racing, as, as most people know, as a former jockey yeah. in my early, early years, very early years, way too big now. <laughs> Not big around, just big. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and then migrated towards uh, regulatory and then, uh, and then into management of horse tracks and then part of the ownership of some of the racetracks that I've managed, uh, anywhere from... Portland Meadows in Portland, Oregon, to Philadelphia Park, now Parks uh, yeah. Horse Racing in, in the Casino. I managed the Muckleshoot Tribes Tribal Horse Racing Corporation as I was their CEO for a uh, period of time. Also, Muckleshoot owns a big casino in the Seattle area, and now they own Emerald Downs, which is mm-hmm. a replacement track for Long Acres Park. And uh, from, from that, I migrated into uh, looking at Advantage Play. But first, I started a player reward group that uh, used um, loss, not, not loss rebates. They were just straight rebates on volume and horse racing to cater to high-end uh, horse racing players. And while I was doing this piece inside horse racing, I noticed that there were the same, you know, not everybody was a loser. There were a certain, certain group of players that were in our, in a, in, in, at our racetrack that seemed to be there every day. Yeah, and I thought to myself, well, they can't be here every day and be losers. Uh-huh. Nobody could survive, and not at the level that they were playing. They would run out of money at some point. And in horse racing, with a twenty point five percent average takeout, they would run out of money pretty fast unless they figured out some kind of a system to beat the beat the races. <clears throat> that migrated into well, first of all, looking at these guys. This is while I was managing a Philadelphia Park uh, racetrack. I said, first of all, I need to get them in one area. So we built a director's room so that we could cater to these high-end horse players uh-huh. and, then, and then develop tools for them that they would tell, okay, well, what do you use for your handicapping? What do you need? Because mm-hmm. I want to provi- provide that for you here in our director's room. And uh, I, I, at, at that time, to the, the wisdom of some of the uh, British guys that came over from the UK, Bob Green, Bill Hogwood, you know, they were used to information drives wagering. Really, more Bill Hogwood than anybody else, because the, the Infotech system was a was a pet of his, a pet project, and and he was right. But what we didn't have are the is the advancement of technology at the time to 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 get that information to the public. Uh-huh. At the time, we had these kiosks, and but you know, if, if everybody was using it, there'd be a line around the building. It was ineffective to get the information over to the player. But that's where the concept came from, is that build a director's room, get your high-end players in there, and then find out what they need for tools to do their handicapping. And, and is that where Heritage <clears throat> Development came from? Heritage came later when I started working with, uh, with Muckleshoot Tribe okay. in uh, Seattle. And uh, 
it, it, it developed because I needed, well, it developed for a senior housing community project, and then I just kept the name. But using Heritage for the uh, some of the horse racing stuff came later with the player development group. Okay. So so you've got these high, high roller uh, handicappers that are winning or showing up every day. Yeah, once we got them in the director's room, now I can monitor them. Uh-huh. I can watch them, and now I can, I can isolate, okay, who's actually winning, who's winning the most, and what are they doing? Yeah. And then looking at the toolkits that they're using, and they were very primitive at that time, mm. and they were limited to the number of tracks they could play. Because you, you're, 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 no matter how good a handicapper you are, creating your own probability line, you're limited by the amount of work you can do in a day. So these guys, as good as some of them were, and they had information that even today, the, the, the best uh, computer-assisted wagering players can't get that information that they had back then. So they had to specialize in one, two, maybe three tracks if they were there from you know, noontime until midnight playing east to west coast tracks. And so, so there's a lot of work that goes in, physical work that goes into it. So was your goal to protect the racetrack against these players, or, or was it in, in your mind? No, it, doesn't, to... yeah, it doesn't work that way in okay. a parameter. It's not like, not like casino play where uh, okay. you know, you're, you're betting against the house. Your, your, your success is their demise, and, yeah. and uh, you know, their success is your demise. Okay. You don't have that, uh, uh, that, uh, that collision of interest between the two. You, you can actually develop a business model with horse racing where you're a partnership with the horse racing industry. Okay. And, and part because they're the custodian of a pool. Yeah, I'm, obviously they want to protect the integrity of the pool, which tracks do. You can't yeah. blame them for that. They want to. But it's not a situation like they're the house and, and, and they're pitted against, naturally pitted against their players. They're, they're not. Okay. Horse racing industry is much kinder to, uh, to, to, to gamblers than, uh, than the casino industry, which most people in the uh, AP world know that the, you start winning. You know, who was your best pal with his arm around you? What can we do for you? What yeah. kind of, well, is that jet not big enough? Is that <laughs> villa not big enough? We got, a, we, got another, we got another product you might be interested in. No, they become your, you know, no, we can't help you. Uh, that's not the kind of uh, gambling part, portfolio we were thinking <laughs> of when we were catering to you uh, two months ago. Now, uh, actually, we just don't want you on property. Yeah. So, so at the at the racetrack, you, it sounds like uh, you're you're wanting to keep them happy and keep them there, and and part of that was offering uh, some form of rebate. Yeah. Well, the rebate is an, is is one incentive. Yeah. And uh, you know that that that's a carefully structured you know, over a long period of time that rebate process was massaged and developed and vetted out to determine, okay, how do you give the rebate and what, what type of a rebate is given to different types of uh, customers okay. and at what level? And to, just, you- to just blindly give away rebates, is it, 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 you're going to have a, uh, what is the law of the diminishing returns at uh-huh. some point. It's not really increasing the volume and benefiting the liquidity value of the pool. So you have to understand the uh, the econometrics of the market that that you're dealing with in a paramutual pool, and how do we how do we maximize the value for that pool going forward? So and that, that was part of your responsibility. Was not at Phil. I didn't understand it then. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I said this when we when we weren't live uh, before. But you know, you meet the right people in life at the right uh-huh. time for whatever reason. Yeah. You, know, you want to call it energy. You want to call it. Uh, uh, fate, uh-huh. karma, uh-huh. 
Well, I, I believe that. And I met the right people at the right time that helped me advance to where I was going. Because I didn't know then. All I knew is that there were these big players. They were winning because they were there every day. Yeah. They somehow turned, some of, some of them were, they, they, I mean, they had law degrees. Some of them had PhDs in, in engineering. A lot of them were mathematicians. Uh-huh. Uh, in, in, in some form or really understood math really well and all I knew is that these guys were winning Yeah, but I didn't have them in one area of the track they were spread out so we, we developed this uh, director's room once they were there it was easier to track what they were doing and it was a discovery process how, <clears throat> how or what type of tools do they need yeah. so it was a way for the you know, and this development process that took place over the next 20 years it started out, I had no idea. Didn't know what they were. I mean, I knew they were looking at the daily racing form. Yeah. Obviously, that's a given. What other tools were they using? Were they using the Ragason sheets? Were they using the pace numbers? But you just knew they were, they, these guys had an advantage. That was your first they were, experience with. The first thing that looked, handicapping, yes, this horse won his last race. That horse, yeah. that horse beat that horse. You know, just, just very mundane, superficial that's a really simple analysis of, of how the race is yeah. shaped up. Well, if A beat B and B beat C, can't A beat C? If uh-huh. they come back in the same, it's, 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 it's just logical deduction. Uh-huh. This analytics that's being done today, this level of handicapping is much more sophisticated. Yeah. And, and It's like Wall Street. It's like Wall Street trading is what it's developed yes. to today from what it was then. Then, as I said, it was a discovery process. It didn't even, okay, what tools are they even using? Yeah. I need to, I need to get my hands around, okay, what, what do I need to give them? Right now they're buying this stuff from yeah. somebody. Somebody's providing it in the industry. How are they delivering it to them? Back then it was delivered by a FedEx. <laughs> I mean, literally, a stack of papers, the Ragason sheets would come in a FedEx and, and they were, you know, it was a big number. You're not buying the racing form for $2.50 or 2 bucks or whatever it was back then. Uh, you're, you're, you're buying the racing form, and then they're buying this, this kit for $50. Well, why would they spend the 50 They must find value in it. Yeah. And so that's what Heritage Development did was came in and tried to provide some of those. There was no Heritage Development back okay. then. didn't exist. This, okay. is, this, is, this is just I'm working, managing a racetrack. Yeah. For, uh, for a group of, uh, of guys that, uh, that had some uh, foresight from the U.K. to come to the U.S. and start Philadelphia Park. And was it through those relationships, or was it complete coincidence it, that you met? No, it was through those relationships okay. uh-huh. in, in, in looking at, okay, what are they using? Yeah. What, what, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. And as, as that discovery process progressed, and eventually I finally left my post at Philadelphia Park, and I, I came back west for a bit, started working with Muckleshoot Tribe, always looking back, knowing, okay, I want to get back to that. Yeah. I haven't left it yet. And I want to develop some of those toolkits and use them at the Muckleshoot facilities. Um, and uh, they, they owned a Playfair race course in uh, Spokane, Washington. So they wanted a west side of the state and a east side of the state presence in, uh, in gaming. And uh, long story with the Muckleshoot thing and how they got out, but now they're in control of all of racing in, in, in Washington State. And uh, probably the largest casino, I would say, in, definitely in the Seattle area. Uh-huh. They would have the largest presence there. But, but anyway, so a lot of those tools were used in trying to, in trying to build an OTB business for Muckleshoot in Washington what's, State. What's OTB? Off-track betting. Okay. 
for, for horse racing. Yeah. So what was the next what was the next step for you? Well, then it was getting back to organizing. That started the player development group concept. Mm-hmm. Then Heritage came into play. Okay. Heritage owned a company called Player Services. And the Player Services company was what was developing more tools. And I kept working on, okay, who's providing what information? What, what tools are out there? Yeah. Ragason sheets were already identified. There's one. Okay, what is the Ragason sheet? It's um, and you know, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but as I started to develop you know, relationships with people that were doing models, I soon discovered that yes, that's a tool you can use if you're a if you're a handicapper and you need easy access to somebody's somebody's analysis of racing because the Ragason sheets, although you have to be able to you you have to develop a technique of reading them and using those numbers. Mm-hmm. To develop your own probability, it doesn't give you a probability line. You're still using numbers to develop a probability line, and off of that number, you have to determine, you know, you know how are you going to do that? There's probably a million different ways to do it. Uh-huh. So the Ragason sheet in itself is not going to make you a winner. It's an assistant. It's okay. an assistant tool that you're going to use in whatever toolkit you're using for handicapping. And in looking at it, I, I determined that okay, the Ragason sheet gets you part of the way there yes. for handicapping. It's a quick, easy fix. Uh, I'm not saying it, for the lazy handicapper, it's not a late, because those guys did a lot of work. I mean, if you watch them, yeah. like I watched them over the years, some of these guys, they did an enormous amount of work on the two or three tracks that they would play every day. Uh-huh. And they were very good at it. So they probably combined the Ragason sheets with other information that, mm-hmm. they, that they were collecting to come up with their, their, their line, their yeah. odds line. The issue became obvious to me that the you, you can't rely on the Ragason sheets in their entirety because the number that they come up with is an extra, somebody else's extrapolation of the raw data. Uh-huh. And if I rely on that and then I'm trying to apply my other information or variables or, 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 or data that I've collected and warehoused over time, how do I marry that to the Ragason sheet? Mm-hmm. No, I need, to be able to, I need to be able to dissect the Ragason sheet, what's in this, so that I can figure out how to, how to, how to use that information for players that I'm working with uh, without causing overfitting. Because then you're going to have too strong of an opinion on, uh, in, in, in your probability line that may, may, may throw off the accuracy of the line. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting way ahead from where we went from muckle shoot on to, <laughs> but but that's what led into looking at these uh, at, at these uh, at, at at the horse racing side of it. And somewhere in that period of time, I met the right people at the yeah. right time. A couple of guys that happened to be decent at math, <laughs> somewhat sharp. <laughs> They, that might be mildly offensive to someone in the background. Uh, oh, they were okay. <laughs> <laughs> and were you already a gambler at all? At I was already time? playing, but marginally profitable at the time, uh-huh. and was playing decent numbers at the time, but nothing to where it where we crank, where we were able to crank it up to. So I read that you started as kind of a quarter table player, twenty five dollar. Yeah. yeah that's and, cool. and then the next thing I read is that you're playing fifteen thousand dollars a round. So there there must be something. In between there, what was that progression like? Um, well, like I said, you, you, you meet different people at different times in your life, and then you develop a different understanding uh-huh. of, of what the rules of the game are. So it was, it was as you had a greater understanding of an advantage that, that things escalated? Well, let, let, me, let me put it this way, without, without talking about myself, but let, 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 
because you're getting into an area where it gets really sensitive. Sure, and sure. There are guys still out there doing this. Yes, so of course. Be careful. Um, look at Wall Street and the platform of Wall Street and what's what's built into that platform and how people are doing trading. A casino floor is no different. Uh huh. It's a Wall Street trading floor. Yes. And every game on that floor has been vetted by somebody mm-hmm. that has. Uh, that 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 has run the numbers and said that the house expectation on this game over a large sample size of bets is going to be X. Uh-huh. You know, whether it's point two five three tenths of a percent on a six deck uh, blackjack game with with standard rules, we're going to hold this. Uh-huh. And human error, we're going to hold point five to point seven five on that player because they're not going to make all the perfect moves. Yes. Not everybody stops at the gift shop or downloads the uh, strategy card online uh-huh. before they sit down on the table. The average person in the bad rule games are probably holding one and a half on them. Uh-huh. 40 to 60, well, they probably don't play that fast, but 40, 40 hands, uh, roughly, what do you say? Maybe 40, 60 if you're a fast player. Some guys can get 80. They play really fast, three hands. But, but anyway, you, you're, you're, you're mapping that trading floor. Uh-huh. The biggest flaw in the design of the casino product when they offer it to the public is that they have to use, use human resource talent. They don't have any other way of delivering the game to the public. And human beings make mistakes. Just like they count on human beings that are players making mistakes and their, ed- uh-huh. their, their hold's not going to be a quarter of a point. It's going to be double to triple that. And in some cases, three, four, five times that the the, uh, the 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 lower the acumen is of the of the actual player that's sitting down at, at at the table. So let's say that you did get that to a point where you were playing perfect strategy, not making any mistakes, and you've looked at their trading floor, and you were able to spend uh, hypothetically able to spend enough time to send some people in to watch games, run a rating system on their actual dealers. Mm-hmm that have a higher propensity of making mistakes, that quarter point disappears very quickly. And now only play predominantly against those dealers that have a propensity of making mistakes. Those are all free bets. And then negotiate favorable deals with the house to get that closer to a almost a a, a, a coin flip. And what do they have left? Yeah. Because and if you're and if you're willing to step out and bet big money now a hundred thousand a hand you don't even have to bet that big twenty thousand a hand times three or twenty five thousand a hand times three or even ten thousand a hand times three now you can negotiate loss rebates with the house mm-hmm. that bring that that actually brings it positive over a period of time if you play perfect strategy mm-hmm. that's without doing anything else now add human error into it on their part. Yeah, because their dealers will make mistakes. Yes. They're human beings; they have to manage that. Yes, it's not your job. I didn't create that environment. If, if it was me, I didn't create that environment. <laughs> they did. Yep, man. So, so I'm getting the impression 
Said, see, I, I gave a, uh, what was it? It was a, it was a gaming... Uh, um, was it World Gaming Protection? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I gave a, a, a speech there. Yep, once. I did that one time. Yeah, and I was, um, I wasn't attacked, but uh, a, a couple <laughs> of the surveillance guys were there on the front row, and their, their hands are waiting for the Q&A section to come up. Yes. Okay, I'm going to open it up for questions. Nine hands come up in the front row, and three of them are all about, so, you're about intimidation, and, uh, uh-huh. you know, you, you, you like to attack people. I go, whoa, 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 easy. I love everybody. Uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm, I'm not a mean spirited guy. Uh, you know. But but you know. When you walk into a casino, look. It is like it or not. It is their demise is my success and vice versa. They're trying to kill me. Yeah. They don't want me in there because I. You know. They want my bank account. Yes. And how much of it they get depends on what they can do on their end. So don't tell me. Look, I didn't intimidate your dealers. You did that. You're letting somebody come in and bet 100000 a hand? Their hands are shaking when they're trying to deal. Uh-huh. They're going to make mistakes. They're intimidated because you put them in that position, not me. Are there any particular mispays that are memorable in any just... Uh, a few. <laughs> they weren't necessarily misplayed. It was simple things. Uh-huh. They would forget to... They get on autopilot because yeah. they're nervous. Mm-hmm. They know what the standard like. If if, if I got a uh, I got a seventeen, mm-hmm. and not a soft seventeen. Yeah, I got a seventeen, and uh, you know, and the dealers got a got an eight, and they just blow past. They you. just blow past me. Dealer has eighteen. I go, whoa! I didn't. I might have wanted to hit that. Yep. And then you get the pit boss involved. You get the then the, you know, they call up. Well, you know, you know, he wouldn't have hit that. And I go, it's irrelevant whether I would or I wouldn't have. That's not your rules. Yeah, your rules say that I have to give you a hand signal. Maybe right. this time I would have hit it. <laughs> and that's a hundred grand. Yeah, man. And you can, you could probably get away with that a lot more with a hundred grand than with you, you, do, you do that with a uh, hundred bucks, and they're going to pretty quickly say we don't want you playing here. Yeah, be gone. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we don't we don't need mouthy. Guys like you, not so kindly, they wouldn't say. I feel like w- the picture I'm getting of, of what, what made this so, uh, I don't know, massive, so effective, was the combination of... It was a perfect storm. Yes. It yes. was a perfect storm, and it happened at the right time, at the right place. Yes. I, uh, previous to that, like a year before the perfect storm happened, I, was, I met the right guys at the yeah. right time that actually could do things in the background to make it really clear to me. Yes. Because I wouldn't have done this. I couldn't have done this. I wasn't thinking like that. And I was really focused on the horse racing stuff. Horse racing I love. Yeah. Playing blackjack was interesting. Mm -hmm. But I don't love playing blackjack. (laughs) It was fun, and it's a lot more fun when you're winning money. So that brings me to one of my questions. What was your motivation? If, If it wasn't, at the time, it wasn't your primary thing, uh, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, we got to do the tour. We we traveled all over the world. Yeah, playing casinos and and going out at night. And uh-huh. It was fun. Yeah, I mean, where where can you go and and have a? I don't want to use the numbers because it just. I, I mean, even today they're mind blowing to me. These these bar tabs that the you know the casinos are picking up and uh-huh. it's it's just where can you go and do that. And use their private jets, yeah, while still playing and having a lot of fun with with guys that you know that are that are a great group of guys, yeah. And you you develop a uh, you know a brotherhood and a and a yeah. camaraderie that's that's unparalleled to yes. anything. And it's just it was a blast. Yeah, we, we we had so much fun doing it. 
with you know with celebrities and friends and uh, and, and and champagne brands. And uh-huh. mm-hmm. No, I I I see that with advantage player. The the people I've met through uh, the blackjack ball things like that, man, some brilliant people that could have chosen to do a lot of things. Yeah. Look at some... the guys that are in there. I mean, well, we could talk about last year's a, a bit. I mean, look at Professor Thorpe. I mean, yes. he's been written about. There's no, I'm not letting out any secrets there, but it, uh, I mean, what a brilliant, yes, brilliant you can, you can say human being. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah, he released his, uh, did his uh, book signing yeah. at the, at the uh, Blackjack Ball last year. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, uh, Th- uh, Professor Thorpe is in the uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it, his motivation wasn't the money; it was to prove to validate his system. And well, the same for me. I yeah. met some interesting guys that uh, you know later in life to you know to this day I adore. They're, uh-huh. they're, they're they are fabulous human beings and so bright, so smart. And I'm I, I was attracted to that. Yeah, it was to me that was cool. Yeah. And devising a system, and uh, and uh, and and some, and then applying that to some techniques, and figuring out an execution point, and how to get that kind of money down was uh, was interesting. Yes, absolutely. I found the people that, and it's good to be lucky too at the right time, because <laughs> you know if, if you know because you look. I mean, it's not just you're winning every time you go out. I mean, yes. you, you you there's there's some losing trips, and that gets depressing. Yep. You do have the loss rebate there, but it's still depressing when you you have any kind of a big losing run. Then you got to regroup. You got you're rethinking the math. You're rethinking everything that you're doing. What am I doing wrong here? There's got to be there's got to be something to it. But mm-hmm. but I will say I got lucky in the beginning when we first launched playing really big and had some success, and that made it easier to keep doing it. So when there was a downturn, it was easy to just plow through. Yeah. Man, not so, easy. Not easy to plow through, but I, you would. That's actually really helpful to hear that, that it was difficult because what it I've is. read was like, oh, uh, no. Don's got an iron, iron no, stomach. And, 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 yeah, but you know what? And it almost, it, it, and, and, I'll say, and I'll say this to look, it, it's not easy. Yeah. It's really difficult. And it's more difficult if you're on some kind of a losing patch mm-hmm. and you have, to, you, you have to systematically plow through that and weather it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the bankroll, you're going to go. You, you know, you're, you're going to you're going to risk you know risk ruining your bankroll yep. before you have any success in growing the bankroll, and that's the tough part, is 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 just maintaining the discipline to do it. Absolutely. What what were uh, some of those like? Were there any like historic losing s- stretches you can remember? Just that I feel like most most uh, advantage players I know remember the losses more. More than the wins, they do, and I remember. But I, I don't really want to get into the sure, sure. Cause, cause, because it did pick up on the flaws in uh, in the style of play. Mm-hmm. Was trying something different, and and those okay. things, yeah, those sure. things, yeah, they don't work. Okay, well, well, then let's uh, back up and talk a little bit about these loss rebates. That's kind of what everyone uh, you know has has covered. But for me, they're not around anymore. Yeah, so but, but it's a did, different game. Where did they? Uh, where did you even hear about them? I heard about him from a friend of mine uh, who um, I was playing a bit with. He was He's a high-end player. He's still a high-end player today. I, I can't use his sure, name. Sure. But, uh, he, he was like my uh, sensei. Uh-huh. And we used to joke about it all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like you're kidding me. Nobody's going to give me 20 25% back yeah. if I have a bad trip. 
Uh-huh. Some places, he was able to get 30% back. Oh, my gosh. So it was, uh, you know, it, it was a huge, huge advantage uh, to, to, yeah. to get those deals. But they really only want to give them to stone-cold losers. Yeah. Because they know they're going to collect on, on, on that money that, that's being lost. And they know that long-term, even if he has one winning trip or two winning trips, he's going to have eight losing trips. Yeah. So the house is always going to overcome the loss rebate. And, and there, there's, there's a natural, when things get tough in the casino industry, I mean, I mean like worldwide, nationwide, regionally within the U.S., they, they tend to, there, there's a collision of interest between what's going on between the marketing side, yes. you know, the host, the marketing guy, how do we get these big VIP players in? Somebody else is offering these rebates. Oh, shit, we got to do it too. Yeah. So that collision of interest exists between the marketing VIP guy and the casino operation mm-hmm. side. And one wants to give away nothing and run a really tight ship and a tight game. And the marketing side is that, that, that they're the ones that got to be, they're the ones with their arm around yeah. you. You're such a good guy, Don. Oh, man, how do we get, send the jet, whatever you need. They're the ones that quickly become not your friend later on when, uh, when you start beating them. It's like, well, we don't need that type of action. Uh, well, I talk to the guys on the other side. That's the collision of interest. The marketing guys want to buy the business, they call it. Mm-hmm. Give you all these incentives to get you to come in until they don't. And they start just by taking little things off the table at, at first. Oh, well, we can't comp that night out. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we got to cut that back. That comes back. And then pretty soon, uh, can you cut, first they ratchet up the amount you're coming in with to try and expand your exposure to them. Uh-huh. Then when they find out that doesn't work, then they start taking things off the table. Then the loss rebate. Oh, we can't give mm-hmm. you. Now we want to, it's not a per trip rebate. We, we got to put you on a lifetime. Uh-huh. That's when you know it's over. Yep. You need to start being careful because they're going to keep taking things off the table until they're profitable against you. And then if it still doesn't work, they just say, we're, we're not interested. Yep. So do you, did you know? That's when the arm comes off your shoulder. <laughs> they start to push you away a little bit. You're a nice guy, but look, even being seen around you is bad for me and my job. Did you know uh, Point No Point or the Point Casino? Is it in, uh, it'd take the Kingston Ferry over to it in Washington. I never went out there, no. I heard it was a good game. But. So, yeah, I mean, 15 years ago when we had a $50,000 bankroll, they had a 25% loss rebate. Um, On 50K? Uh, no, strong. no, no. That was our that was oh, our that was bankroll, bankroll size, yeah. but it was any any losses uh, over a thousand dollars up to a certain certain point, and um, and I uh, we honestly we didn't even run the numbers. It sounded right to us. Since then, uh, I've had someone help run the numbers, and we had an we had an edge with it. Um, but it was the same thing. Like at first, the pit boss said, "Yeah, I mean, Mike Mike V, who's who's uh, retired now, and." Uh, uh, He's a good friend of Bill Benter's as well, mm-hmm. and uh, Bill's a terrific guy. Uh, he he does some, some Mike Mike's in a home up in uh, in the northern part of the U.S. and uh, Bill takes a private uh, on at his own cost. It takes a private jet, picks up a bunch of us. We go up and pick up Mike V, and we we go and see his college alumni uh, football pl- team play in the, or a baseball game uh-huh. or something, and uh, and then reverses the trip and drops everybody off. I mean, it's a great day. But uh, Mike V is, uh, originally ran some of the numbers for me on, mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, loss rebate. And uh, we ran the, uh, roughly saying that uh, you, you, should, you should win at, at 20%. You should if you're playing the right strategy. Yes. There's a few components to it in moving parts. But if you're playing the right strategy, large sample size, you should be up half of that rebate when all the dust clears. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, 
it was helpful for us for, for growing our early bankroll. It was the same thing where the pit boss would say, he'd say, I know what you're up to, but he had, he had no idea. He had no idea. And, uh, Most of those guys are, they're stunned. Yeah, yeah. But they're, then they, they're worse than a deer in the headlights. They really are. <laughs> and that was my, my original mistake was I thought some of these guys were bright. I'm not saying some aren't. Yes, some yes. are really bright and they're really good. But there's a big, big, big disparity between the guys that are bright and the ones that are really not so bright. Yeah. Their bulb barely yes. comes on each day. Well, clearly the casino hadn't run the numbers on this offer for a, perf- for a you know, perfect blackjack player. They, they last do it for a few months and then, you know, of course it dried up and... And, uh, they start taking things off the table. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So before they start taking, or these, they start adding restrictions to the table. Well, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. They, they started with restrictions. They didn't know what we were doing. The ultimate restriction is usually leads to. Uh, can you just write us a check and we'll just let you come in and play for a bit with <laughs> with fake chips? Yeah, it, it resulted in uh, I think it was a couple thousand dollars that they converted to comp credit of $12.50. It was like, it was, it was tribal. I tried to fight it. They, they wouldn't do anything. So well, With tribes, it would be difficult. Game was over. Um, but before they started taking things off the table, what, what, uh, were you expecting them to let you do this as long as it lasted? No. I thought, <laughs> no. Well, after, the, after the first bit of success every day and every time I booked a trip, I thought, they're going you know, to do something mm-hmm. to counter this. So it, it, I mean, they have to. Right, they didn't build these palaces on people beating them up. Uh huh. And uh, well, of course, you'd have losses in there too. You're not yeah. winning every trip, yeah. so you're you know you're you're going back and forth. But the but the long term advantage was still that there was there was a decent amount that could be made there in the middle. And we don't have to get into yeah, this, this misnomer. I, and I see all the articles that are written, and people do these websites now and use my likeness my name and I thought you know I'm going to go sue those guys and shut them down who cares it, 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 most of that stuff is not me so uh-huh. I don't you know, and I read what they put look not every trip is a winning trip yeah. you do have some losses yeah. be prepared for it they're going to happen the math is not uh, the math is perfect uh-huh. that's why they're losing trips uh-huh. because it's designed yes. into the game and, yeah. and that is the volatility that you have to live with that's what I tell people. And that's where the iron stomach comes in. Yes. It's not the iron stomach to have the <laughs> stones to put out that big of a bet to begin with. It's to have the iron stomach to persevere and keep and keep doing it. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, did they the casinos kind of pull the offers one at a time, or did they was it all just that? It was all one at a time. Yeah. And, but and, and then I real as soon as they start doing that, you know the end is eminent, that it's not too far yeah. in the future. So I've also heard there was quite a circus going on when when this was happening any anything you could share of just what that circus might have looked like we well but there's certain somebody within the group has i must have 20 30,000 pictures that went on it at some point we're going to release sure. more of the pictures and and maybe even do a uh, somebody's writing a uh, screenplay for it now oh, okay and so we there you go. we should have some fun with that when we yeah. start to release some of the some of the stuff but yeah i mean we we had I mean, back in the villas and on the jets and oh my god, there was some. It it, it was look. I lived it. I don't believe half of it. <laughs> I mean, I, even in the in the high limits rooms. Oh well, there was a big circus always in the high limit <laughs> room because you you go in with an entourage. Yeah, it has to you know. And it, look, we didn't fake the party. Yeah, it was real. Yeah, <laughs> there was no <laughs> there. 
And so, <laughs> some of the circus that went on there, we had a porn star that was with us uh, on more than one occasion. And uh, nobody ever sits to my left. Only person I've ever had sit to my left. Uh-huh. She was great. She was, she was a friend of one of the guys that was with the group. But uh, I mean, they were so busy signing her chest. <laughs> <laughs> so that probably added to the mispays and... I think it adds to yeah confusion. People, uh-huh. you know, they're human beings. Yeah, I think one of the things that's fascinating is I would imagine surveillance was keep, all they're doing is keeping an eye on your action, my action, my chips, what's going on. Um, I think in general the guys in surveillance they're 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 enough removed from what's going on in that room that I don't know that it affects them that much up there. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm speculating. I think they're not. They can't feel it. All they're doing is watching a, a video from wherever the hell they're sitting in the in the building. So they they can't feel the 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 essence of the actual group and the energy and the party that's going on. So you had the the twenty percent loss rebate. You had it sounds like probably stand seventeen double after split resplit aces surrender like very favorable kind of like the high limits Las Vegas strip type rules to get you down to the small edge. Also fifty thousand dollars in free bets. Fifty thousand walking in. And on top Some of that. Some guys were getting a hundred, hundred and fifty. Oh my gosh. To walk in. And then on top of that I, and they were giving them cash to walk in. I only got promo chips. I had to play them. <laughs> which is fine. So, so you you were you were not a ultimate. No, they didn't. Yeah. If I could have gotten to that top top tier, oh, it would have been uh, that would have been even better. <laughs> so then on top of that, there's a couple of mistakes a night. You, They're going to make mistakes. They're human beings. Any, any guess at your total EV? Um, I know what it is, but okay. I, yeah, what, what, what the projected EV would be. Okay. Yeah, everybody has a different opinion about it. Uh-huh. I'm sure the house would have their own opinion about uh-huh. it what the math is, and that's fine. <laughs> I want them to keep that opinion. And... Uh, one of the things that's so fascinating is is to even like get this. I think most uh, advantage players are saying, "Well, to get away with this, I'll bet less." But the, what made this work was it was it was so over the top that it was too good to be true from yes. their perspective. Yes. So yeah, it, you couldn't do it in between. Yes. I don't think it would have yeah. worked. Yeah. And you couldn't start out really small and try uh-huh. and work your way up. That wouldn't work. Man. Looking forward to the uh, motion picture, the feature feature length. I'm not sure what rating it's going to have on it, but uh, certainly it'll have to start at an R. <laughs> so was there was there tipping involved at all? Yeah, there's always tipping involved, mm-hmm. but I, I took a different approach to the tipping. I didn't uh, I didn't tip anybody a percentage of anything, and the tipping what I. I don't want to say, look, I don't want to be cross with any of the dealers, but, but quite honestly, they can't help you. Yeah. What can a dealer do for you? Nothing. The cards are going to do what they do. And that's yes. not to say that we didn't do some, there were some big tips at times, but mm-hmm. it would wait. If it was a really good trip, I would make the last bet for them. Okay. And whatever it did, splits, doubles, whatever, and they were sizable bets yes. for them. If it won, they got it. Uh-huh. It was never a percentage of what yeah. I was winning. I would take a theoretical percentage of what I was winning, and we would take some of that and spread it out amongst all the employees, whether it was the nightclub, whether it was the butlers, whether anybody that worked on the service end of the business, to create more goodwill. Yeah. yeah. And it did. That's great. 
I have a lot of friends that are still working in the industry, good people. Yeah. And most of them, they're all good people. Mm -hmm. Not all, but most of them are good people that work on the service end of the industry. There are some sour pusses that work on that end. Why they, why they punish themselves, and maybe they need the job, probably need the yeah. job, so they, 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 they can't go anywhere else. But uh, yeah, I respect that, too. Yeah. But you can tell some, some employees are just, they're, they're just miserable. They, don't, they really don't like what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Generally, some of, I would say predominantly, those types of employees are the ones that make more mistakes. Uh-huh. They don't want to be there. Yep. And if they try harder not to make mistakes, they inevitably make more mistakes huh. just because they don't like what they're doing. Interesting. I've found the most mistakes are with brand new dealers. Well, the inexperienced dealers. Don't. But they, they're not putting those in the high limits rooms. No. They're putting those on the $10 table yeah. on the main floor. So do you feel like the results of that advantage play met, surpassed? This surpassed anything yeah. I ever would have thought wow. that it would have amounted to. Uh-huh. Because I never would have thought that the other side would accept some of the deals. Yeah. You didn't expect it to last as long. Or last as long as it did. So what were you thinking when it, when it dried up? What? I knew it was going to dry up. It was, it was never my objective. I, I always knew, look, I can't build a business out of somebody else's demise. Yeah. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. Well, they can build a business out because yeah. they have millions of people that they built that business out uh-huh. of. So they have the numbers. I'm one person, I gotta, and i got to beat all of them. And you're eventually going to get cut off until you're down to just a few places, and then you can't play them off against each other. Mm-hmm. You get no more deals. So many, so many places offering yes. these kinds of... And now they're, you know, it, let's say that you were trying to create a distraction or you were trying to be, have a certain behavioral pattern to create more mistakes on the other side of the table. You can't do any of that today. Yeah. They're so corporate and so sensitive to any kind of a remark now. And a lot of it, you know, the things that happened, horrific things that happened here in Las Vegas with the shooting. And look, I understand the sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And I understand you can't, you know, a certain, every, everything is taken to a hypersensitivity level now. You say anything that might be a derogatory remark, you're going to get jumped on mm. because they're trying to protect themselves too. I mean, that guy that did the shoot, nobody knows anything about the guy. Mm. Seemed, like a, seemed like an average uh, you know, medium-sized player just comes all the time and, and is playing. All of a sudden, the guy tweaks out and loses his mind one day. Yeah. You know, so so they're, they're, they're rightfully hypersensitive to anything that's that's set at a table or anything that's set in a casino mm-hmm. because they need to be yeah so a couple more questions i really appreciate you taking the time to do this um i would think it's every advantage player's dream to feel like they single-handedly put the hurt on on a casino what was what was it like knowing after the fact that that these casinos were kind of freaking out because of because of this this whole play you guys put on him. I, don't know, I didn't really think too much about that side of it because I knew it was going to end. Mm-hmm. They're not going to keep doing it because they can't. So I, I didn't really give it that much thought. Did you feel bad when uh, that CEO got fired? Well, I don't want anybody to get fired. I mean, like I said, I'm not after anybody. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to intimidate anybody. It's it's a game. It's a business. Mm-hmm. You know, he he made a call that uh, for whatever reason didn't work out for him, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not my fault. Yeah, 
I didn't do it. Yes. Hey, I'm not accusing you. I don't, make, <laughs> I, I don't make their employees nervous or yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. They did that. Yeah. They didn't train them properly. They didn't, uh, you know, they, they didn't offer sensitivity courses to them yeah. to desensitize them to, they're just chips. They're yeah. just chips. When you're, when you're pushing their, the value of their home across, or double or triple the value of their home across the table on some hands, that's, uh, that's a lot. Yeah. It's going to make anybody nervous, mm-hmm. unless they're on Valium or Xanax <laughs> or whatever before they're, pl- before they're dealing. So when the word got out about the, from the Atlantic City casinos, did it just instantly dry up? Or? It didn't dry up instantly, but all, all the deals were already uh, uh, retracting. You know, they, they were already pulling stuff off the table before that article yeah. came out. Uh-huh. Did, did you approve that article? or They approached... It, they, uh, what happened was, it, it was a sequence of... of uh, I, I would say, like, stories. Things were popping up on the internet and blogs and speculations, and then it was a casino executive that actually leaked some information, okay. just enough of the information to the press, that the, the stories were becoming... Wild to the extent that it was things like some mathematician from either New Orleans or down south somewhere or Texas. Where he, you know, he he came out with a blog in an article saying, "Well, obviously he was cheating," and that's when I agreed to do the interview with the Atlantic City paper. I okay. said, "No, this yeah, is yeah. not cheating. This is mm-hmm. nonsense. Nobody cheated." That's like saying the casinos cheat every day. Yeah. You know, and people ask me, they go, is it fixed? Do they cheat? I go, <laughs> they don't have to cheat. Yeah. They have a built-in advantage over you. And if you play just, just basic strategy, forget blackjack, just look at every game. You can analyze every game. They don't need to cheat. Yep. If you play long enough, you're going you're gonna to lose the expected house edge. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're playing into. Now, what are you going to do to change those numbers? <laughs> so... So you're friends with Phil Ivey, speaking of cheating, you're friends with Phil Ivey. Yeah. What, what Phil's, you... a, Phil, Phil's, Phil's a very good guy. Yeah. Very honorable guy. He didn't cheat. So what do you think is the difference between what you did and what he did in terms of how, how the casinos, they, like, they, it seemed like they were just okay with, I'm sure they weren't okay with. I don't them. agree with the decision and the way that it came down, you know, being from this community, this side of the table. Mm-hmm. But I also work with the racing industry on that side of the table and understand the integrity part of maintaining, you know, whether it's a horse pool or whether it's maintaining the integrity of a casino floor. And I've read Phil's case, and I'm not trying to play legal legal with this. Phil and I are friends. He's, he, he really is a stand-up guy. If you're friends with Phil Ivey, your friends with Phil, Phil, Phil will do anything. Mm. For his friends and family, and does takes care of a lot of his family. He just he really is that kind of a guy, and I know. And Phil, and Phil did not cheat. Mm-hmm. He negotiated a deal with the casino, and then he executed it. Mm-hmm. Here's the difference between what Phil did and what I did. And this this is just me reading the articles, and mm-hmm. I, I have talked to my attorneys about it. And uh, and I and if I read what the judge's orders were from the UK and. I don't know that there's a disposition on the case here. I think that might still be under appeal from, uh, from the uh, Boyd Gaming or Borgata Casino in Atlantic City. Um, Phil made a representation to the casino that it was based on this uh, superstition. It was based on, I got to have this. And those, represent, those representations that he made up front happened to not be true. 
that part of it. That's to me, that's the gamesmanship. Yeah. You know, do you think a casino host tells the truth to yeah. a player every time he? Yeah. No, no. When their lips are moving, yep. they're not telling the truth. It's 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 just it's it's a standard practice on that end. Now, can can the casino host follow through with everything he guarantees? No, you're always negotiating after a loss. Well, we can't give you that, but we can give you this, and the you know the 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 boss is telling me I can't do. And but you told me, look, I have it in a text, I have it in an email from you. Here are the terms of our agreement. I expect you to honor it. Those things go on all the time. I look at it like a negotiation after the fact, after they got beat. Well, that's what I looked at Phil's situation, but what. What separates Phil's situation from mine, I never made any representations. Okay. I just said, this is what I need. Yep. I didn't say because I'm superstitious. Mm. I'm not superstitious. <laughs> I'm, you know, this is what I need. If you want me to come in and you want me to post up this kind of money up front, mm. I'm willing to play under these conditions and these terms, and that's it. If, 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 if you don't want to do that, it's all right. I'm fine. Yeah. I won't come in. So if it can be- your act wasn't an act. I'm not as sure. As far as the, 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 the circus, all, it, oh, no, you, all of that it was, was all just... Well, we didn't have to act out the circus. It, yeah. that really, we weren't yeah. really having that much yeah, fun. Yeah, so that's the difference. You're saying it was real. Yes. And, and, and if I read that order from the UK and looking at it, I, I think what the judge is saying, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to play legal, legal, but they're saying it, it, it not Phil, even the judge said Phil Ivey's not a cheat. He's not, you know, he's not a, a you know, The judge agreed with him. He didn't do anything criminal. And uh, he respects Phil coming forward and being uh, being forthcoming and being uh, being honest about what he did. But if you read the order, what he's saying is is that like if you and I enter into an oral contract, I negotiate something with you, with you, and I profit a great deal out of that transaction that we did, and you lost out of that transaction. But then you find out that part of my representations to you in that oral agreement were not mm-hmm. true. It was part of the gamesmanship, part of bluffing and poker. Yeah. And I'm sure that's how Phil probably, I didn't talk to Phil about the case, but I'm sure that's how Phil feels yeah. about it. it. It's part of bluffing. Yeah, not all of it has to, but, but in the judge's eyes, the way he wrote that order was like, well, you can't enter a contract, an oral contract or otherwise, with somebody, and if part of the contract is not necessarily 100% of the information that you're giving them, then the other side has, a, has an opportunity to come back and say, wait a minute, no, that's not my understanding of the agreement. Mm-hmm. You said you were superstitious. This isn't superstition. Yeah. You're turning the cards for a purpose, an exact purpose for head sorting. That's the difference in how I read the order. And the judge is saying, wow, as much as I admire you, and and Phil is a very clever, very smart guy, as much as I admire you, and I don't believe that you were cheating, this is the side of the the transaction that I just can't agree with from from a judicial position, is that you you can't profit off of false statements to somebody. Because it wasn't, <laughs> except casinos do. Except, except casinos do all the time. Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah, it's yeah. They don't give you all the information. Yeah. You you think you know what they should do? The uh, the, the fair trade. What, what is a fair trade uh, commission? The uh, uh, I can't remember the uh, title for the uh, for the federal agency, but um, what they should do is just like buyer beware. Like on uh-huh. cigarettes, yeah, yeah. They have to put that warning. Yeah, they should have a warning poster on every game as a player walks out. Warning, 
here are the here are the odds on this game. Yeah. This is what you're playing into over a period of time. This is what you're likely to lose, even if you play perfect strategy. Yeah. So that, now that there's no guessing in it. So when somebody says, are they cheating? They don't have, you, you're reading the sign. Uh-huh. There's a negative expectation for you long term. So why are you complaining? You knew that when you sat down. But it's not posted because they don't yeah. really want the general public, you know, the average recreational player. Who doesn't care about that anyway? Yeah. He's there to entertain himself. I saw a guy yesterday sitting at a slot machine with <coughs> a book on getting out of debt. Sitting there with his wife playing slots. And I, I couldn't help but ask him, say, oh, are you trying to get out of debt? And he's like, oh, yeah, soon, soon. It's like, just, are you following just, the steps? He said, well. He's playing slot machines? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he, he, he better keep pulling that lever or pushing the button. He's never going to get out of debt. <laughs> um, so I know we want to wrap up. Some of your friends are showing up. Um, but I want to ask you what it, what it was like, the experience of getting inducted into the uh, Blackjack Hall of Fame last year. It it, it was um, yeah, I, I, it was cool. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. But I mean, to to be recognized by who you consider some of the some of the people who you consider to be your peers, some of them mentors like uh, Professor uh, Thorpe and mm-hmm. uh, other really good friends that were there uh, at, at that attend the ball each year. It's um, it, it, and it's also humbling. It, 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 it's an experience that's, uh, on, on one end, yeah, I got in, but on the other end, wow, this is really humbling that some of the brightest minds in the world, you're, you're joining a, a, a very, very thin, elite group yeah. of individuals. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it seemed well-deserved last year. And uh, it was fun getting there. Mm-hmm. Any uh, final thought you'd want to share with you know an, an audience of, Advantage players or or future advantage players. Dude, look, you're not going to win every time, yeah. every trip, mm-hmm. and you will have rough patches. And if you're going to do it and continue uh, uh, down that path of, a, of an advantage player, just be disciplined yeah. and be careful. Mm. And you you will hit those times when it's depressing, and uh, you just have to regroup and sit down with your with your guys. Hopefully, you have a support system. Yeah. And I mean that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you, you go over the numbers and just make sure that you're, you're not making mistakes. Because yes. it's, it, it's hard. It's not easy. Yep. All this uh, hype that, uh, that's out there, yeah, no, not every trip's a winning trip. Yeah, man, it's awesome hearing that it's true on the $5 level yep. and it's true on the... Uh... It's worse on the $5 level because the game's worse. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the household, they should post it, warning, yeah. Surgeon General... It's bad for your health. Yeah. I guess I mean the same rules apply to the red chip card counter to the... All you know. the way to the very top. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking an hour of your day. Oh, thank you. So, oh, it was really, really an honor, and uh, I learned a lot, and I'm sure other people did, so thank you very much. No, no worries. We'll see you at the, at the ball. All right. All right.